Welcome to Surfing the Psychic Waves. I'm your host, Christy Walsh. I'm excited to say hello to the globe. Each week, I'll bring you new ideas to your spiritual path by letting you hear how other folks have walked their path or how they awakened. The planet, the solar system, and every being in it is waking up in some way. There's always bigger, brighter waves to surf that will change our world. So grab your boards. Hi, this is Christy Walsh with Surfing the Psychic Waves, and welcome to the first episode on Inflow Radio. My special guest star surfer today is musical healing artist Leah Scallon. She's a renowned vocalist who brings us a new album from the mystical realm of the fairy kingdom, and it's called Song of the She. And this album just won an award just very recently for the best meditation music album from Clausine International Music Awards. So you may have run into some of Leah Scallon's work in the past. She has a rich history with ceremonial work with crystal skulls and orchestrating global earth healings at sacred sites. And today we're going to hear a little piece of this sacred music on the show a little bit later. So you can find out more about Leah Scallon's music and other albums like The Luminous Pearl and Crystal Keys at soundsofsirius.com. So Leah, welcome. I'm so excited you're here surfing the waves with us today. Well, thank you so much for having me, Christy. I'm very, very excited to connect with you again because it's always such a joy. We have such a good time. (laughs) We do. We do. I think, you know, there's so many ways that we've connected. Um, I've actually met some of your crystal skulls while they were in transit from uh, Mount Shasta. (laughs) So, um, yes, and we've done a couple of ceremonies together uh, in California. Um, but I, I would love to talk about the album a little bit more. Um, but first, I want to um, ask how you actually got into all this. Um, certainly, you have many talents of you know, singing and uh, just many other uh, sort of ceremonial work that you've done. But uh, how did the fairies come to you? Well, it's, it's sort of a long story because... Um, uh, basically, I was born in Ireland, as you know, and uh, grew up there. And Irish people have, I suppose uh, you would say, a natural respect of the fairy kingdom, as they do in most Celtic countries. And uh, the fairies are seen as existing in a sort of parallel dimension to ours. You, they're, they're not these Tinkerbell fairies in Ireland that, <laughs> you know, we classically yeah. see fairies as. They're really a race of sort of human stature who are considered to be, in a sense, neighbours of the human race. And uh, so uh, really how the fairies came into being, they are the she, are the descendants of an ancient race of Irish people called the Tua de Danann. Now, the Tua de Danann ruled Ireland. They were one of the most ancient races. And when the Malaysians then came into Ireland from Spain and conquered Ireland, they pushed the Tua de Danon back, back, back into the forest, and eventually they were pushed underground until they became the people of the Hollow Hills, as they were called. Mm. And uh, they became known as the fairy people. But, uh, you know, they're considered to be custodians of the natural world. They have their own places where they, you know, they feast and they live and they play. And actually, you know, if humans interfere with these fairy places, it, it's considered in Ireland that uh, you don't go near these places. You have a respect for them. I remember as a child growing up, uh, my grandfather uh, around his home, he had this uh, lone tree in a field, as it was called. It was just one fairy, like a hawthorn tree growing in the middle of the field. And no one in Ireland would ever touch a lone tree in a field because that's believed to be a fairy tree. Uh-huh. And if you interfere with a tree like that or, you know, a fairy grove or a fairy glen, uh, I was told the fairies would put thorns in your bed. So, <laughs> you know, uh, you just didn't go near them. And in fact, to, the, to this day in Ireland, farmers still put out uh, gifts for the fairies like butter and milk and honey, because uh, they feel that if they do that, the fairies will protect their livestock and their land. And uh, so, yes, the the veil between the fairy world and the human world is very, very thin. I, I agree, uh, especially now. It seems like we need them more than ever. 
Well, well, that's right. And, uh, you know, um, uh, I suppose the sort of um, the beginning of this journey of making this album for me, Christy, actually began back in 2012. I was on a visit back to Ireland and uh, I uh, arrived actually the day before the autumn equinox. And the next morning, you know, jet lagged as you are, um, I woke up in my, you know, family home, which is near this beautiful lake called Loch Erne. And I decided to get up very early and go for a walk in the forest near the lake. So I, uh, it was just a beautiful morning, absolutely gorgeous. The mist was literally rising off the water. It was like being in Avalon. (laughs) And uh, anyway, I stood beside the water's edge and I was looking out to the water through this little window of trees and uh, I started to think about this ceremony that myself and these three friends of mine were going to be doing the next day. We were going to go to this ancient prehistoric figure called the Janus figure which is actually on a little island called the Bow Island and so I started to call in you know, the ancient Druidic ancestors, the nature spirits, and just, you know, the great spirit of all that is. And I was just asking that, you know, these forces would be with us the next day as we did our ceremony. And I remember saying literally out loud, I made a, made a conscious prayer, which was, help me to access the sacred mysteries within And as soon as those words fell from my lips, this, just like a heat-seeking missile, this (laughs) bee came from nowhere, from the water, and stung me about half a millimetre under my eye. So um, it was a huge shock. uh, But I knew, even in the sort of the shock and the pain, I knew that something extraordinary had just happened. And this was actually a sign from spirit that what we were going to do the next day at this sacred place was going to be very important. So uh, that started a journey for me, Christy, of reconnection with the land of Ireland in a way that I'd never had before, I suppose. You know, I'd grown up in a very Catholic family and I'd never really accessed these sacred places at all before. You know, Ireland is full of stone circles, wells, holy wells, and all sorts of, you know, incredible monuments. And so that morning began a journey for me of discovery of ancient Ireland. And over the next few years, as, you know, I was going back to Ireland every year, I started to find this deepening connection with the Shi. They started to make themselves known to me in, I I can't even begin to tell you the synchronicities and the extraordinary things um, that happened, uh, personal signs that led me to, you know, experience various things until uh, I suppose it came to a crescendo last year, myself and uh, this beautiful friend of mine, Stephanie Phelps, who is my sacred tour partner. We took a group of people to Ireland to experience the sacred sites there. And throughout the journey, we had many uh, incredible encounters with the Shi. And when I came back to Australia after that trip, the Shi were very insistent. They just wouldn't leave me alone. And they told me that they wanted to use my music to open the portals between their world and ours. So... Basically, the she um, had been, I suppose, observing us from this other sort of parallel dimension that they exist on. They've seen the huge turmoil that's in our world and they've seen us become very disconnected with nature and with ourselves, I suppose. And uh, they understand that everything, every living thing is part of the great web of life. And so they wish to come back into union with us and I suppose to help us in the way that we can help them too perhaps you know on their journey and so they told me that they wanted to use my music to help open the portal so that they could rise up from the hollow hills and come back as it were above ground and walk with us again to begin a new era 
of peace and harmony within the world. So I suppose I offered myself as a conduit uh, to tell the story of the she, to be a conduit for their energy. And it was a very conscious intention uh, for me when I took on this project that when people receive this music, when they play it, that they would open their hearts with love and then as they begin to share the story of the she with others and experience the she for themselves, that the she will be encouraged to come through these portals and come to be with us again and come into union with us again. And I think through that, in some way, we will bring our world back into balance. Yeah, something is definitely going on with the music. I mean, just when I've been listening, you know, over the last many weeks, um, it just takes me right into this nature space. And it's not necessarily the music, but I just find myself easily going into trance. And then this other energy, I want to call it peace, but it's not exactly peace, it's something else. Yes. And then, <laughs> and then you know, I kind of relax a little more like, oh, there's that thing. And then pretty soon it's like, oh, I, there's a connection to the earth that happens that uh, I haven't been able to get to before. So it's just amazing. Um, well, so, you know, it's very interesting. Sorry, Christy, just yeah. in that it's what has been really extraordinary to witness and beautiful, very touching for me is that a lot of people have begun to, in a sense, take up the baton. And there are people now, light workers, who are consciously working with the music and they're doing these earth ceremonies throughout the globe. I mean, yeah. one woman has, you know, been all through Europe and there's another lady doing that right now and uh, another person in America. So people are actually consciously using the music. They're going to these uh, beautiful uh, places in nature. They're taking the music with them and they're doing ceremony, inviting the she to come through the portals and to be with us again. So uh, I, I think it's... It's it's big, I think, uh, in I some think way. So I don't quite understand it, but I think it's really important. Um, you know, you do talk about uh, Queen Taya and King Harriman. Um, Maybe you could let the listeners know a little bit more about those figures in the fairy kingdom. Well, um, as you will know, having heard the music, uh, Christy, the, the, the story, as it were, behind the eight tracks... It's basically the song of Queen Tea Tefe, who in this, in the music, she is the queen of the fairy kingdom. And uh, the story of the music is that uh, this predestined time has arrived now. And Queen Tea Tefe, the queen of the fairy kingdom, calls to her king and calls to her people to rise up from the hollow hills and to come back by her side because this is the time when they must come back into union with humanity. And in the course of doing that, uh, what will happen is there will be the activation of this incredibly huge master diamond within the lake. Now, that's the story of the music. And it's been an incredible personal journey for me uh, to find out about this Queen Taya, who is actually not just a mythical queen, she is actually an historic queen. And it was the she who actually led me to finding out about Queen Taya. So, as I said, you know, during those years of going back to Ireland, um, I had many encounters with the she. And they led me on all these different pathways and brought me to all this information. But one of the most incredible things they led me to was this mind-blowing discovery, as it was at the time, of a connection between the land of Ireland and the land of Egypt. Now, as a child, I was fascinated with Egypt. And in fact, that connection remains to this very day. I feel that, you know, I've got a very, I suppose, strong past life connection to Egypt. Yeah. And uh, what I found out through this research that the uh, the she led me on was that buried in the poetry and the folklore of Ireland and in fact a story written in the words of Queen Taya herself is this 
this tale of a prophet, a, an Egyptian princess, and a scribe who landed in Ireland. At, it was around the same time uh, at the fall of Jerusalem in the sort of 500 BC-ish, 580 BC. But the prophet that was spoken about was Jeremiah. The oh princess was this Queen Teatefe. And uh, it's believed that at the when uh, the fall of Egypt, there was a huge thing <laughs> that happened in mm-hmm. Egypt. And so uh, the Jeremiah and Teatefe flew Egypt and they brought with them, they set off sail for Ireland, specifically to come to Ireland. And they had with them many priceless relics, amongst which were the uh, breastplate of that breastplate mm-hmm. of the high priest, the harp of King David, the Ark of the Covenant, and also Jacob's pillar, which was basically the pillow that Jacob laid his head on in Bethel. And this pillar had been carried by uh, Jacob's people. They, Jacob's son had, sons had carried this pillar to Egypt. And so it was a very, very sacred object in the eyes of his descendants. But anyway, upon the arrival in Ireland of Quintea and Jeremiah, this stone pillow became known as the Stone of Destiny. Its Irish name was the Leah Fall, interestingly, L-I-A, my name, (laughs) the Leah Fall. And so later, this stone that Thea brought with her became known as the Stone of Destiny, and it was the stone upon which all the kings of Ireland, Scotland, and England were crowned. To this day, Queen Elizabeth was crowned upon the Stone of Destiny. And it's described, the Stone of Destiny is described as being the most ancient respected monument in the world. But anyway, when Queen Thea arrived on the boat in Ireland on the shore, she arrived at, it's very, this story is told in great detail. She arrived at Hoth and on her arrival, she was met by two men, one of whom was the High King of Ireland, Ockid II, and with him was also his um, harper and good friend, Ethan. So they carried Taya off the shore, and both of them instantly fell in love with her. And uh, Queen Taya, she only knew the identity of Ethan the harper. She didn't know that this other man, this other very kind man that uh, had helped her ashore, was actually the High King of Ireland and the man that she was destined to marry. So um, the story goes that Ockhead, the king, as a child, had had a vision. And he was told that he must not marry, even if he reached middle age, because one day his king, or his queen, sorry, would come from the east. So when word came uh, from Gibraltar that Queen Taya was on her way and that this Egyptian queen was coming to live in Ireland, he realised that his boyhood vision was about to become a reality. So anyway, they took Tay off the boat and they took her to Tara. And on June 21st, 583 BC, uh, she became the High Queen of Ireland and married Ockid II and became the High Queen of Ireland. She stood upon the Leah Fall and she was acknowledged as the Queen. Wow the Leah Fall being the Stone of Destiny. And, you know, this is verified as being fact because only in, I think it was 1955, uh, this Irish archaeologist, Sean Pierre Reardon, found the skeleton of one of Taya's children, one of her three children, Aid, was found. And he was still wearing the Egyptian beads that had been given to Taya Tefe by her. Uh, Egyptian pharaoh father. Wow. So uh, it's an extraordinary... There's so much there with just that story. (laughs) Well, I know, but you see, for me, what happened, it's almost like there were two stories running concurrent for me over these past, since since 2012. There was the story of the she, and then there was the story of Teotefe. But somehow they kind of merged into one and... What I realized was that because Taya married Ockid the Herriman, uh, the High King of Ireland, who was basically one of the Tua de Daman, 
who are the ancestors of the she, she also is queen of the she. She is queen of the Tuatha She's queen of the she. So this is how the two stories became interwoven. And, you know, uh, it's, it's been the most extraordinary personal journey for me. I mean, one, just to give you a little flavor of the sorts of personal synchronicities. She was crowned on the 21st of June, uh, 583. I was born on the first one hour after the 21st of June in 1953 so you know it's just it's just um yeah you know there are these little these little things that just think oh my goodness I have a connection to this woman in some way you know but you can't get away from the numbers being able to be inspired to to do searching about historical you know the historical past and it just all starts coming together and I, I just think you're very brave to continue because there must have been many times when you're like, what am I doing? But but that's what we're all doing. It's like we're all kind of just figuring it out. And these stories come to us. And I and I think this is a beautiful kind of reflection of of these histories that get played out in all of our lives. Um, it's, for you, it's it was so this true. one. It's so true. And, you know, with this one, I, I've sort of been asking myself again and again, you know, why is this story coming up now? Why have I got this connection to this woman? And uh, even yesterday in my meditation, I sort of, I got a bit of an insight and I realized that, you know, why were we not told in Ireland, why were we not told this story of Queen Taya? Why was this history suppressed? You you know, um, what is it about this story that is so potent that it had to be hidden, as it were? And what I've realized is that, you know, if Taya's story was known, we would know about this connection with Egypt. And there, there is one very powerful theory uh, that I uncovered in this research, is that Ireland is actually the place where it all began, uh, one theory has it that, you know, at this sort of major cataclysm that the Earth experienced about 5,000 years ago, that uh, what happened was then that after that, the surviving Druids went out from Ireland, taking their vast knowledge and all their sort of understanding of the mysteries of the cosmos, mm-hmm. and they colonized the planet. They went to Egypt, they went to Tibet, and they went to all of these other places Because what we know now is that the ancient site of Newgrange in Ireland, which is this incredible um, sacred passage tomb, it's actually a thousand years older than the pyramids. It's 500 years older than Stonehenge. So the Druids had all this knowledge before it was found in Egypt. And in fact, what they found is that in a lot of these ancient civilizations, in the temples and whatever, they found Druidic symbols on these temples, which suggest that the Druids came to those places and brought the knowledge there first. So the theory is that when Taya came to Ireland, the reason she was coming there is that she was coming home to the home of her ancestors. And that's why she brought these incredibly precious relics. She is, it's said that Queen Taya is buried on the hill of Tara and that she's buried with the Ark of the Covenant. And uh, that story has such credence that in the early 1900s, where all these, what they call them, Israelites, came to the hill of Tara and they dug at the Mound of Hostages to try and find the Ark of the Covenant. So, what are... Wow, so many... There's there's like not one story that's left out (laughs) of the whole world right now. That's amazing. You know, Um, and so what I think is that, you know, if we really knew about these stories... What it's telling us that our history is much more ancient than we've been led to believe. Yeah. We are from, uh, you know, our ancestors were not cavemen. They were, you know, sophisticated civilizations that uh, had vast knowledge of the cosmos and uh, of, you know, um, of, of the planets. So uh, I think if we, if we knew that, perhaps we'd be creating a different world now, you know. 
I think so too. I think we want to let our listeners um, listen to uh, a piece of some of the music. So if we could uh, play that now, that would be great. Okay, I'm surrounded by nature again. <laughs> oh my gosh. So Leah, this this has been an incredible segment. I think we want to take a little break and um, come back and uh, tackle more of this story and this unfolding of the fairy realm. There's so much there. This is Christy Walsh. We hope you're enjoying the surf today. Come find me on Twitter at Christina Surfing, on SoundCloud or Facebook at Surfing the Psychic Waves, and check out the archives on inflowradio.com. I would love to hear what waves you're surfing right now. For live shows, here's the number to call. 1-760-456-7277. That number again, 1-760-456-7277. Hi, we're back with Leah Scallon. I'm Christy Walsh, and this is Surfing the Psychic Waves. And what we've been talking about this hour is the Fairy Kingdom. And Leah has a new musical album uh, that's just been voted Best Meditation Music Album from the Clausine International Music Awards. Uh, and it's called Song of the She. Uh, you can find out more about Leah Scallon's music at soundsofsirius.com. And we've been talking about all sorts of things. Crystal skulls crystals, pyramids, um, the, the whole background of Queen Taya and King Hermon of the fairy realm and how it all connects to all sorts of pieces of world history. So, Leah, um, I imagine there's a little bit of custodialship that you feel about this history. So, um, it sounds like there's already another album in the works. Oh, gosh. Um, it's a bit early for me to think about that. I think at the moment I'm still uh, steeped in this um, steeped in this story, Christy. It's very interesting, you know, uh, the way this music, uh, all my albums uh, have come into being. Um, it, it can take literally years for uh, an album to sort of emerge and then all of a sudden, one morning, I know it's the day <laughs> to start putting it into um, into motion. And I suppose all my albums have, uh, you could say, they've all emerged from my own spiritual journey. So this one, as, as, as I've been talking about, has really, I suppose, been six years almost in the making, five years in the making because of where it came from. Uh, but I suppose more... Uh, recently probably for the last um, year and a half but I'm still in that energy Christy it's still carrying me along and I feel that 
somehow there's still more to be unfolded about this story of Queen Taya and the she. And um, actually, I'll just read you a little bit from the liner notes uh, to perhaps let your listeners understand a little bit more about uh, the purpose of the music. Yeah. And I suppose, in a way, my job now that the music has been birthed is to hand over the baton to others, to the listeners, as it were, to help to encourage them to call on the she, to open their hearts to the she, and to help these portals to open so that we can bring our world back into balance. Um, this that I'm going to read is a message uh, that was given by a member of the she to this man, John Matthews, who then wrote a book called The She Wisdom from the Celtic Otherworld. And in the book, this she messenger said, we are an ancient people. We were here long before your kind walked on this earth. We remember everything and have seen everything that took place here for many thousands of your years. We became to you the people of the hollow hills, the dwellers between the mounds, the fairy people. But always we were the she. So seldom were we seen that we became part of your mythology. But all the time we waited for a sign that you might be willing to see us, to speak to us. We believe that a new era may be about to dawn in which the people of the she will come forth again and be seen by all. So I would say to those of you who are listening to open your heart to the she, to try to imagine yourself uh, walking with this other race of people wherever you are, because the she exists in every country in the world. They're known by different names. And actually, Chrissy, I'm getting a little message that they might like to to speak to the listeners directly. Oh, that's Queen great. Taya and the people might like to speak and I suppose maybe you can put in context for the listeners that uh, this may not come through in English. <laughs> yes, uh, we call it the language of light and I think it's uh, easier to listen that way. So yes, we'd love to hear this. So that is a message from the she to all of you who are listening. And the tears are streaming down my face, actually, because their message is full of love and full of hope. Yeah. My God, that was amazing. <laughs> it's, um, it's still going, even though uh, 
you're not singing right now. Um, but I noticed with the language of light that all you need to do is receive. And for some of us, um, and including myself, um, I've had fits of laughter. <laughs> I've had, <laughs> you know, I've had uh, just total calmness. Um, I have other instances where uh, Leah's been uh, channeling, for lack of a better word, uh, and I have to get up and walk around. Uh, there was the time that we were driving to a, a ceremonial event in Northern California, and I think <laughs> this went on for like an hour and a half, and it was amazing. I don't remember driving at all. So, <laughs> because you just get into that energy. And so, um, you know, I'm so grateful that uh, they've shown up today, and there's just so many of these kind of events that just kind of happen to you all the time. Um, you do have other, um, I think I mentioned this before, uh, these sort of giant crystal skulls that probably take part in all of this too. Uh, and one of them, uh, his name is Solar, that I had the pleasure to meet. Uh, so I would like to ask if there's any uh, sort of new information or what's it like talking to a, a crystal skull. And just for listeners out there, you should know that, uh, it's as big as a suitcase. It's a very, <laughs> it's a very big crystal skull. So, you know, in addition to ceremonial work and language of light and, and channelings, uh, there's also other communication with many forces of nature, including these sort of crystal, crystal beings. Well, um, that was beautifully put, Christy. I think they're all, all of those elements are woven together. They're not separate. Um, yeah. So, as you know, our journey is really organic. So, uh, from where I started, you know, with all of this um, being a conduit for these beautiful light energy uh, frequencies from other dimensional realms, which was a bit of a shock when it first started to happen. But over the years, it's probably about 30 years now that I've been uh, in some shape or form, uh, you know, offering myself as a conduit for these high frequency energies. And uh, it was about probably about 12 years ago, I think, that I first came in contact with the crystal skulls. And they've changed my life. And I know that probably sounds very weird to some people listening who have not uh, come in contact with crystal skulls before, but um, they're a mystery and they're very, very hard to explain. And it's very hard to put into words, you know, this sort of experiential, um, uh, incredible thing that happens when you come in contact with crystal skulls. I suppose all crystals are what we know is that they're all... Uh, they both store energy, they amplify energy, and they transmit energy. But somehow when a crystal is carved in the shape of a skull, something extra happens. So to speak about solar, uh, my, my connection to solar is really special, as you know, Christy. And when I, uh, we met, in, interestingly, in that same year, 2012, so... 2012, it may not have been the end of the world. It was certainly the beginning of a lot of things in my world, I think. Um, uh, Solar and I, I would say, became reunited in Manchester in 2012. And what I've come to understand is that we are in some way at a soul level. We are partners so that he works with me. Um, and that sounds a bit strange to be talking about a piece of crystal in that way, but I believe that what these crystal skulls are is they're like vessels for the energy of these incredibly high light beings who wish to assist the planet at this time. And over the years that Solar has been with me, what I've um, come to understand in observing how people... Uh, respond to him when they meet him, how they're activated by them, how literally he, they burn up with his energy, and how even just at the weekend I had a friend come to visit who had never met him before. And, I mean, she just, she said, I've never felt anything like that before. 
he just immediately, her heart opened and she started just to get all this information through from him. And what I've come to understand is that he is, he's like an interdimensional gateway. So we're talking about the she being another dimensional sort of parallel dimension to ours. What Solar seems to be is a sort of an open gateway where beings, and I think particularly it's been several psychics have brought through information about him. And uh, a number of them have said that he's working with many of the brotherhoods of light, the great mm-hmm. white brotherhood of light mm-hmm. and other brotherhoods. And as you will probably remember, Christy, uh, the very first uh, day that I worked with him, some photographs were taken of him and there were all of these incredible images inside his head. There was one of what looked like St. Germain and there was another one which showed him like he had human eyes. So that was the first thing that alerted me to the fact that he's a sort of, a, he himself is like a conduit for these energies, being able to reach us and being able to touch us and communicate with us. So I think even though Solar doesn't get out to see people a lot because he is, as you said, bigger than a suitcase, <laughs> he's 33 <laughs> kilos <laughs> or 80 pounds in American language, um, he, he is transmitting from here and most particularly, he's transmitting through my music. And that was, I think that's an arrangement that he has with me. And this is part of the partnership. For example, for the album Crystal, um, The Luminous Pearl, he was in the studio for the whole recording of The Luminous Pearl. And uh, so he works through my music. He sends his energy out, and I believe he sends his energy out to all the other crystal skulls on the planet too. These crystal skulls are current connected in a grid of light, uh, and that this is very important work that's going on, even though it may not be seen by many, it is having a powerful effect on the planet. Yes, there's many things that are seen and unseen, and yet they, they're doing a lot of work. So I'd love that you said that. Um, I would love to hear more about the studio work. And with the Song of the She, uh, what was that like for the musicians? Uh, You've worked with some of them before, I think, on other albums. Yes, I, I mean, I'm so lucky. But, you know, in a way, it's not luck because I know that spirit organizes this. Um, uh, I'm very fortunate to have been able to record my last few albums in a studio that's local to me here in um, Cairns in Australia. And uh, the studio owner has gathered through the years, he's gathered, gathered this amazing group of musicians around him. And... Uh, <clears throat> So the one crucial person is the keyboard player, Mark Manock. And Mark and I seem to have this, as Nigel, the studio owner, said recently, you know, you and Mark, I don't know, he said, you've got something going. <laughs> it's just, you know, as soon as we get together, uh, it just seems to happen. You know, he seems to tune in immediately. So basically, I have the story. I come to the studio and to the musicians, and in advance, I give them a brief, basically. And, you know, uh, it's amazing how open they are to this, because these are people who are not really involved in spiritual work or whatever, but it's been quite extraordinary. I've just, I've been completely open, and I tell them, as it is, you know, what is going on and what this album is going to be about. So before we went into the studio, I told them about my experiences with the Fairy Kingdom and that this album, I told them the story of Queen Taya, and so in advance, they know that, um, you know, this is the subject matter. So uh, on the night before, in this particular case, the day before, Mark and myself and Nigel met and we went through the format of how we would bring this through because your listeners wouldn't understand that basically this music is brought through in the moment in the studio. There's nothing scored in advance I basically go in there not knowing what's going to come out of my mouth and it happens in the studio. And so uh, the same with the other musicians. So the, the energy we create in advance of bringing through the music is vital mm-hmm. and the ambience. So basically in the studio, I set up an altar. 
I bring all my crystals, I cleanse the place, I do all of that. And the musicians are incredibly open, as I said. And so then we take it track by track. I had in advance what I knew the tracks, what I wanted the tracks to be. And then we just tune in and we start to bring it through. And of course, that's the main recording. Of course, then there are uh, months after that when you know, other uh, tracks are laid over the top, musical tracks, that is. My vocal basically is as it is on the day of the main, the days of the main recording. So it is quite an extraordinary process, really, and one that is has to be based on complete trust. So I have to trust that spirit will bring through exactly what is meant to come through in the moment. And in this case, I knew that the she were with me. And it, it was it was amazing. The very first track that Mark and I brought through, um, and we brought this one before the other musicians came in, was Quintea's Plea. Mm. And it, it was amazing. I was in tears as I was singing it. It's a very, it's a sad song um, because... Basically, she's telling the story of how her people have been, you know, um, out of the cold. And she's calling to her king, she's calling to her people, and she's calling to humanity to, to allow them to come forth again. And so uh, Queen Taya's voice came through me. And I think this album, my vocal is different yes. because I feel it's Queen Taya who speaks through this album. So it's, it's not my usual vocal timbre, as it were. It has a different quality. It's almost the persona of Taya speaks through this album. Wow. It's just, it's just amazing, just the bravery involved, the trust, <laughs> you know, the, the stories and the history that you've been able to uh, be a part of and participate in, and it's still happening you're still learning, you know, more about them. Um, it seems like there's more there with between Taya and King Haramon, for sure. Yes, yeah. I, I think, I, you know, and I know that you know this too, um, Christy, because you allow your life to unfold in a, an organic fashion and you listen to your intuition. Uh, it is, it definitely does involve a certain amount of courage and uh, it's certainly based on trust. But, you know, the flip side of that is that it's incredibly exciting to live your life that way. You know, uh, you don't know what's around the corner. You know, it's not like clocking on at nine in the morning and clocking out at five, you know. Anything can happen. So, uh, and, I, you know, living my life that way has brought me on so many adventures you know throughout the globe visiting incredible places sacred sites and meeting people like yourself you know who become lifelong friends and uh, it's it's a wonderful wonderful way to, to experience yeah. life yeah so I think you know with most of these ceremonies I think you are making lifelong friends everywhere you go <laughs> um, just because there's so much of a intensity and a longevity to the energy that gets created I've been amazed that I think back and like, oh my God, that was like six years ago. And, and it's like it was yesterday. So the energy and the um, vibrations and frequencies are still going. And I love that. Um, so uh, maybe we can talk a little bit where people can find you. Um, we talked about the website, which is soundsofsirius.com. Uh, they can find you on iTunes, I believe. Um, Yes, they can find me on iTunes, on Amazon, CD Baby, and um, SoundCloud. <laughs> and of course, if you want to friend me on Facebook, I'd love to. I'd love to have you on my page as well. I've got two pages: one which is a sort of a Leah Scallon page, and the other is Leah Scallon at Sounds of Sirius. So, uh, which is more to do with the music. So, yeah, I'm available. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Well, I loved having you surfing the psychic waves with us today. This was great. I loved the language of light, healing. I, I'm not sure what else to call it, but um, I, I'm sure as folks listen to it over and over again, uh, it's going to change some things. So um, we're so excited that you were able to share your story today and remind people out there and listeners out there that 
they have their own stories that are that they're in the middle of and there's other beings maybe without bodies that are talking to them too so thank you so much for surfing the psychic ways with us today this has been great thank it's you. been an absolute pleasure christy and i know i probably uh, spoke a lot <laughs> didn't let you speak too much but it's been wonderful to be able to share the story of queen Taya and the she and i do hope your listeners will take up the baton like others and invite the she into your hearts and into our world again to walk with us. Thank you so much. So thank you. If you want to find Leah Scallon, please check out her website at, Leah's, at soundsofsirius.com. And uh, you can always look for the archive here on inflowradio.com. Thank you. surfing the psychic waves with me today on inflowradio.com you can find me on twitter at christina surfing or find me surfing the psychic waves on soundcloud or on facebook and let me know what waves you're surfing this show is brought to you by inflowradio.com the best curated talk radio network for personal development, wellness, spirituality, and conscious business.